Fireflies Unite with Kia, your weekly podcast from the perspective of individuals thriving with a mental illness. We are normalizing the conversation about mental health within communities of color to foster mental wellness and empowerment. Welcome, Fireflies. Many times we see Black women who are social influencers and entrepreneurs, and they're thriving in all of their Black girl magic, but we have no idea what goes on beneath the surface. Today, I'm going to share the story of two amazing Black women who struggle with the illness of major depressive disorder, yet they are both thriving in business, Candace Nicole and Lauren Carson. Candace N. Nicole is a graduate of Morgan State University, a full-time entrepreneur, owner of Candace Nicole Public Relations, and creator of Women Who Hustle, has launched the Crown Agency, which is a creative consulting agency for the Hustling Creative and PR, the Right Way Coaching Program, which is designed to teach individuals how to handle their own publicity. She started Candace Nicole Public Relations 10 years ago and has worked on high-profile projects such as Master of the Mix, Black Alumni Networking Expo, Taste Prince George's Food and Wine Festival, Spike Lee's Red Hot Summer DC Screening and Press Tour, Owns Network, Sweetie Pies, The Have and the Have Not, Love Thy Neighbor DC Screening, Press Tour, Wine DC Lunch, and many more. In addition, she has handled various events in the D.C. area and assists with building small businesses. Candace Nicole Public Relations clients have been seen and featured on BET Networks, TV One, Fox 5, NBC 4, CBS 9, ABC News, WHUR, Black Enterprise, The Huffington Post, The Washington Informer, Essence, just to name a few. Candace is also very passionate about motivating others, especially women, and assisting them with creating the balance between their hustle and everyday life through networking and through the network of women who hustle. She is a rising speaker, the author of the PR Puzzle, host of Women Who Hustle podcast, and is a member of Black Public Relations Society DC chapter and member of Alliance for Women in Media DC chapter. In 2017, she relocated from Washington, D.C. to North Carolina. And now we're going to move over to another Black girl boss, Miss Lauren Carson. Lauren Carson graduated with a B.A. in psychology from the University of Virginia. Lauren recently relocated from Brooklyn, New York to her hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. In 2012, Lauren founded Black Girl Smile, Inc. based on her personal mental health journey struggles to find racial sensitive treatment and support. As the visionary and leader of Black Girl Smile, since inception in 2012, Black Girl Smile has made amazing headway and continued to push toward the organization as a premier mental wellness nonprofit. Lauren is currently a contributing blogger for the Huffington Post, was featured on the mental and technology panel at Southwest by Southwest 2017, was awarded 30 under 30 for young nonprofit leaders in Atlanta and featured at the Clinton Global Initiative University 2016. Additionally, Lauren is certified in youth mental health first aid instructor. So I want to welcome Candace and Lauren. Thank you both for joining me. And y'all intros just be having my head spinning. How are y'all doing today? (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having me as well. I'm excited to chat with you today. Of course. When I when I was reading them, I was like, okay, how am I going to cut this down for the podcast? But I was like, no, you know, I'm I'm going to 
read as much of it as I can, but y'all both some amazing entrepreneurs and are doing great things for the community. And as a person with a mental illness, I think that, you know, working full-time for yourself as a person with a mental illness gives you the flexibility to create your own schedule to manage your illness. Can you just talk about your work, you know, talk about your workload, you know, because it gives you the control as an entrepreneur, the days you, maybe you work or you don't work, uh, how you how you set boundaries to align with your mental health. Um, and even though entrepreneurship can be really scary in the beginning, because, you know, as far as it being lucrative with finances, do you think that having uh, being an entrepreneur is easier for you to manage your mental illness opposed to working full time? Well, this is this is Candace. Um, I actually I'll say I haven't been like, um, you know, officially diagnosed with anything, but I know that um, just in the past, I mm -hmm. have dealt with depression and I actually will share just a short story and it's because actually it's um, it's ironic that this interview is happening the day after um, the anniversary death of my uncle Jules. Um, he dealt with cancer for four years. Uh, we all knew that it would happen, but it doesn't matter. It's still, you know, it still was a shock and it definitely shook my world. This was the first family member that I lost as a full-time entrepreneur. Some folks that may not they're like, well, what's the difference if you lose somebody? But when you're a full-time entrepreneur, you don't you don't have a boss that you can go to and say, hey, you know, I need some time off for bereavement, and you can get that, right? Maybe a week or two, depending on, you know, the, the company that you're with. It, you deal with it, and then everyone else expects you to get back on it and, and get to work, um, which is something that you want to do, but it's just not that easy. And I know during that time, it was, such a dark place for me. I was crying a lot. You know, thank God for my family, especially my boyfriend. But I literally would get up in the morning, reach down on the side of my bed, and get my laptop, and I was working. Um, and that went on for, like, weeks. And actually, that's how the Crown Agency was born, was actually just through the pain. You know, I had a lot of that because I was just in the bed a lot. And it allowed me to tap into another side of creativity because my uncle was, he actually was a full-time artist. Um, he did sketch. And so, yeah, so when, when you are an entrepreneur, it does allow you time to say, okay, you know what? I need to take a, I need to take a sit down today, right? Maybe that just stressed me out over there. So today I'm only going to schedule maybe three calls and then the rest of the day I'm just going to have to myself. Um, and it's because as an entrepreneur, it can get very overwhelming. And so, therefore, there is a lot that you just, you know, you keep, you know, internal. And it's because the clients want the results. You want to produce the results because, hello, that's how you're getting paid. <laughs> and so you want to be that people pleaser. It was a tough time. I would just say that. However, um, it did teach me to know the signs of when I feel like I'm about to go down that road and have, like, a not-so-good day um, or maybe even a week yesterday, as I said, was the one-year anniversary. And so, yeah, I was in the bed a lot of a lot of the day. You could probably say I, I dealt with, the, you know, just a day with my head hanging low. I definitely cried and I really did not get up and start moving around until like 6.37. It's because I needed to allow myself to feel those emotions again. I know every year, you know, to get a little bit easier, you know, to deal with, but it was the first year. But that was, that was not the first time that I dealt with dealing with depression. Uh, however, that was the first time of dealing with it when it pertained to death and being a full-time entrepreneur.
Yeah, I think that I'm glad that you said that because I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, if whether you're dealing with a mental illness or not, it's important as an entrepreneur to take a time to step away and actually deal with whatever you're dealing with. Because a lot of times as entrepreneurs, what a lot of people will do is they just kind of work and become like yeah. a workaholic as a way to not deal. Mm-hmm. Um and so, Lauren, what has um, your experience been like for you? Yeah, um, I'd like to echo kind of what Candace said, and I, I'm sorry for your loss. It sounds like you are uh, very much a support system for um, your network and your family. So I know that that must be difficult. I experienced the loss last year as well. Um, Thank you. For me, I was diagnosed with clinical depression when I was 15 years old, so it's kind of always been a struggle for me. Um, there, to, just to just to kind of get the terminology out there, there's a, we all suffer from mental health difficulties at times. So we can have situational depression, which that can come from a loss of a family member, loss of a job, uh, you know, parents divorce, various circumstances that happen in our life. And then there's also clinical depression, where you kind of struggle on a daily basis with depression. Um, So I've struggled since I was about 15 years old, and being an entrepreneur um, is a unique experience um, with clinical depression. Um, And what I mean by that is there's some days that I really just don't want to get out of bed. Um, But um, being an entrepreneur, um, I feel motivated that there are people counting on me and that I'm counting on myself in a lot of ways, so there's a lot more buy-in. Um, to uh, motivate me in my times of need or my my difficult times. Uh, but just to echo what Candace said, there's there's also times that we need to be um, gentle with ourselves. Um, so with um, many of my ventures, when I'm working with other individuals, I'm very um, open with them about the about my experiences and say that there's times where I experience depression, and during those times, I may have to take I may have to reschedule a meeting or I may have to take a day off. And I feel okay doing that because I know that that's what I need to be mentally healthy and that's what I need to recharge. So being honest, uh, being open and upfront, um, and it's all about the way that you handle things. I find that if you um, go into conversations very negative, like I have depression, I'm so sorry, I'm going to have to take days off or things like that. But if I go into it just very normal, you know, I experience mental health difficulties at times, there may be some times that I have to reschedule some meetings um, to focus on my mental health. People are normally very open and encouraging um, when I bring that up. I also would say it's very important to um, allow your network to support you. Um, so when I'm experiencing a depressive episode, um, I'm very open with my family and my friends um, and my business partners to let them know that I need I need an extra boost. I need a little bit of encouragement. I need someone else to kind of you know, help carry carry a little bit of the weight. So those are the things that have really helped me as an entrepreneur and struggling with clinical depression is, you know, up in the buy-in um, and being kind with myself and not being afraid to take some time off um, to focus on my mental health, but also um, allowing my network and my community to kind of rally around me in times of need. Thank you. Thank you. I think it's really important that I'm so glad that I have both of you to share your different experiences. And I, you know, talk about that all the time. 
with telling people, you know, there are different types of depression, you know, there could be situational or they can be clinical, but no matter what it is, whether it's mild or severe, it's important for a person to take that time before it gets to the point where it's so debilitating. With my experience, it got to the point where you know, I wasn't showering, I wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping, you know, it eventually led to a suicide attempt. And I was in the hospital for about maybe four to six weeks. And I was like having an outer body experience. I had no concept of time. Like it just goes to show you the, I guess, the different levels, if you will, of depression, but it's important that we catch it in that beginning stage. So it does not progress because depression could be very crippling. And there is not one size fit all. Every person experiences depression differently. And then we also view the world differently. We also um, deal with our emotions differently. So it's important for people to understand that just because one person has one experience, it doesn't discredit or um, not validate someone else's experience. So I'm glad that you guys were both able to share your experience, but it provide a different perspective. Candace, can you share about, you know, a time that you started to notice that you were actually dealing with depression? And did you tell family members or friends why or why not? Um, I will tell, I know my mom, I would, I'm not trying to laugh about it, but I would just, I, I'm very blunt, you know, transparent. And I would tell her like, Mommy, I feel myself going down this road. And, you know, she would do her best to say, you know, you're great. I'm proud of you. And, you know, but sometimes it's, in my opinion, strictly for me, sometimes that at that time, that doesn't help. Even though I recognized that I was about to uh, go down that road, um, sometimes that, that didn't help. Um, now that I've been with my boyfriend, it's been two years that we've been together, uh, I definitely will tell him, like, for example, a uh, situation with my with my Uncle Jules yesterday, and it's because I knew what happened to me last year. I texted him and I said, please don't let uh, what happened last year happen this time, right? And he texted me back. He said, don't worry. He said, I'm not going to let that happen. He said, you know, you've worked too hard to, you know, to get to where you are. And he said, I'm not going to let it happen. And I just, you know, kind of put that bug out there. Uh, and it's because of just, I just remember that feeling just when I got that call that he died. And, you know, it just, it literally like shook my world. I, I Sometimes I don't even know how to explain it because people have, you know, they've, they've lost loved ones. But my Uncle Jules, this was a, this was a special one. And it, because he was an entrepreneur as well, I think that's what it was. He's like the coolest uncle he was an artist. He's the one of teaching me that you can go left because it feels right to you, right? Mm -hmm. And so it literally just like shook my world. Um, so yeah, I definitely have had shared. Um, but sometimes I also do think, even though you share, just to give someone a he someone a heads up, sometimes even if they try to say, no, you're great, uh, you'll get through it, or whatever they may say back, sometimes it doesn't help. However, I actually will say, because I don't know if you're going to um, touch on this one, is that I will deal, I've kind of, I guess, trained myself, if, if that's the correct word to use, of that when I have, like, extreme highs, right, for some reason, it's, <laughs> I have these extreme highs and extreme lows. And, you know, I do believe that it's, it's the enemy trying to mess with me, you know, if anyone is a believer. And I will deal with my extreme high, but then it's almost like I'm putting myself on on notice, Candace, because you've been having these extreme highs and, and you know, all this X, Y, Z. 
know that the enemy is going to try to test you, right, to test of how far that you have come in recognizing certain things, right, of you feeling like you're about to go down a certain, you know, pathway. Um, you know, and so, yeah, because I don't know if you're going to, like, touch on that, but I just kind of try to, you know, train myself to, to notice these certain things so, therefore, I can deal with it better. Mm-hmm. I think with a lot of times with depression, it goes back to what you were saying about like someone can tell me something and I still don't believe it. Like, you know, like your mom said, you're going to get through this, you know, you're successful, you're going to be okay. But one of the, the key things about depression, at least in my experience, that it, it really sometimes not to say that it doesn't matter what people say, because it does, because they're trying to help you. But, but since depression is such an internal battle, it's really hard to see like outside of yourself because you're so stuck within. And I think that it's important for people to understand, of course, just to continue to be a support system. You can continue to, you know, re you know, reinforce, you know, the impact that I'm having and how much of a great job I'm do- doing, how proud you are of me, but just know not to take it personal if I'm having a hard time simply believing at that particular moment hmm. that's that's interesting of how you worded that it's very true though very true yeah because that's something that I have um experienced and then I you know wanted to ask Lauren Lauren if if you you said that you do tell people I know you said you have people on your team that you'll say just hey I need a moment um I have to you know I have to have a mental health day um what about your family, do they, you know, support you and when you're dealing with the episode? Yeah. So when I was first diagnosed um, at 15, um, obviously kind of my parents knew, but um, the stigma, especially in the African-American community, runs super deep. Um, Like my father, for instance, is a physician. He at some point went through like a mental health um, or a psychiatric rotation, but he didn't even believe that mental health um, and depression were a real thing. Um, a lot of people kind of see it as a character flaw or somewhat of a weakness. Um, so because of that, I very much in the beginning felt isolated and didn't feel comfortable telling my family, my friends, like when I was experiencing things. As I had my two suicide attempts, um, I realized that my network and my community were going to be key to my survival and also to my mental wellness. Um, So now I feel very comfortable talking to my friends and family and letting them know if I feel like I'm in a depressive episode, um, if I feel myself kind of slipping and experiencing some symptoms of depression, I feel very comfortable in letting them know that. And they're normally very encouraging. Um, They'll help me with that extra boost to know that I need to call my psychiatrist or I need to call my therapist and make an appointment. But they're all very encouraging. And I find that 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 takes away the isolation. Like being in a depressive episode, you already feel isolated and your brain's kind of tricking you to make you feel isolated. But to not be able to physically talk to other people about what you're experiencing really um, validates the the feelings that you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. But to have your network and your friends and your family um, a part of that experience you start to understand that the experiences that you're having of being isolated are the depression and that they're not actually true and that you're going to come out of it the other side. So I I definitely believe that 
being open with my family and friends about the things that I experience is crucial to um, my ongoing treatment and recovery. Mm -hmm. I could not agree more. I'm so glad that you said that because when I, so the thing for me, my, when I was diagnosed, maybe about, I would Mm -hmm. say like two and a half years ago, they dated it back that I first started showing signs around like 12 or 13. Um, But because it wasn't the first time that I, it was the first time I actually shared with my family once I was diagnosed, like, yeah, when I was 13, I tried to commit suicide. And, you know, the the suicidal thoughts, they would come and they would go, but I would do a lot of things to suppress it. And I always worked really hard, like, you know, with going to school, with going to grad school and just, I always was a workaholic, but it was a way for me to suppress and not deal until eventually got to that point where it just kind of exploded. And so it's important for people, you know, to understand that there's so much liberation and freedom in telling your story. There's so much liberation and freedom and living in your truth. And I didn't realize that. And so when I like, I put it in air quotes, came out with, you know, my diagnosis of clinical depression or major uh, depressive disorders and generalized anxiety disorders that for me, it was like, I felt so free because now by you you living in your truth, it's like you're running uh, your boat, if you will. Like you're the captain of this boat because when you don't talk about it and you like feel embarrassed or shameful, it's like it's running your life because you feel like it's this deep, dark secret and I can't tell it. But the moment that I opened up, I was like, oh my gosh, because then so many people started reaching out to me saying like, oh, I had no idea. Like, I didn't know that you know, that was your struggle. I didn't know that I, you know, that you couldn't control like these suicidal thoughts. Like I didn't know that it was going on for so long. Imagine going from 13 years old to being what, you know, 24 or 25. That's a long time to be like mentally sick and not get help. And then you learn ways to cope, but it's very, very unhealthy. And so it's like with therapy, you, you know, you kind of work through all of that. So I'm so, I'm so glad that you you shared that. And can you talk about, was that the, what kind of led you to birthing a Black Girl Smile? It was. Um, so kind of, a, I I went through a very similar experience to what you described. Um, I started to show symptoms around the age of, I would say, 13 or 14. Um, but I wasn't diagnosed until about 15. And then I wasn't put on medication until 17. Um, I then subsequently suffered two suicide attempts when I was 19 and 20 years old. Um, and after my second suicide attempt, um, I, I'm a firm believer in like something happens once, okay, it, it it happened once, but if it happens twice, like it's not really a coincidence. <laughs> so mm-hmm. something's going on and something needs to be addressed. And I firmly believe that in all aspects of life. Um, so after my second suicide attempt, I really had to take stock of my life and I had to decide like if this is really the way that I wanted to live. I didn't want to be in and out of hospitals. I didn't want to feel like I was hurting my family and hurting my friends and making decisions that were going to be detrimental to my future. Um, Because I was in college at the time, and obviously when I'm in the hospital, I'm having to take time off of classes. Big colleges, they don't care. That, that, you know, they don't care what's kind of going on with you. They just want to make sure you could be at class and take your exam. So I knew that I was doing things that were really going to be detrimental to my relationship, to my future. And I decided that I was gonna have to take some time to really focus on my mental wellness and I did that and I 
um, started looking for racially sensitive uh, mental health providers, so people who I felt comfortable talking about my experiences with and being able to help me work through those. Um, I wanted a racially sensitive uh, psychiatrist because I know that there's a lot of stigma in regards to medication in the African-American community and how we, um, you know, metastasize um, or metabolize uh, medication. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're over-medicated. So I wanted to be aware of all of these things. And mm -hmm. when I went out and I started to look for support groups, their individual therapy, medication, um, I was finding that there was really a void in the market for looking for racially sensitive and culturally sensitive mental health providers. And I felt like if I was an individual that was at one of the top schools in the country, mm -hmm. that I kind of had, you know, the financial means to take care of myself, how difficult could it be for an individual who has none of that, who doesn't have a supportive network, who doesn't have uh, the financial means to access resources, that doesn't have the technological needs to, to access resources. And as I got my assistance and I was able, or treatment, I was able to get healthy, um, and I looked back over my experience um, I decided that there was a real void in the market, and I did not want to personally see any other young African-American girls go through the same experiences that I did and feel so isolated, so alone, feel like they didn't have access to resources, they didn't really know where to turn, um, and then the families as well, like not knowing, like, where do I find a therapist? Where do I find a psychiatrist? What hospital do I take someone to? So I founded the organization um, with the mission to promote culturally and racially sensitive mental health um, education, support, and resources. So kind of filling the void of the resources, so connecting young, young African-American females with um, uh, African-American mental health providers, uh, support, so creating a community online, um, in person, that encourages mental wellness. Um, and then the education piece is big as well, because what you find is in the African-American African community especially, uh, mental health issues are a cycle. Um, we're finding that a lot of our youth are experiencing mental health difficulties, but it's because their parents experienced mental health difficulties and their parents experienced mental health difficulties mm -hmm. because they don't know that it's an issue. Mm -hmm. um, so we educate youth and we educate parents on you know, what the warning signs and symptoms are, how to um, seek assistance in, in times of need. We can kind of cut this cycle um, and allow people to be healthy and not just be making it, but really living their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because for me, it was an experience where I did not know that my, for instance, my grandfather uh, was dealing with depression. I didn't realize that both of my parents were dealing with it. So I had it on both sides. I had an uncle who uh, schiz uh, schizophrenic. And it's like all these things that you hear about family members who may have been bipolar. And I, I had said, well, then why didn't you guys have this conversation with me when I was coming up? Because by normalizing it, it would have been something that I would have been familiar with. Now I'm in a situation where I'm in a psychiatric unit and I'm thinking something's wrong with me. I'm like, there should be no reason why I have a bachelor's degree. I went to Georgetown for my master's. I'm like, I felt like what was wrong with me there. I felt like it was a character flaw. Like it was somehow like my mental illness was somehow like a flaw that I had. But then that's when I realized, no, it's just like any other mental illness, you know? If I fall down the stairs and break my leg, someone most likely is going to tell me, oh, Q, 
here, you should probably go to the hospital because you need an X-ray or you need a and then you need a cast. And maybe you have to work with a physical therapist to help you use how, how to use certain muscles again. It's it's the same thing, but it's often a double standard. And so I'm glad that there, you know, your organization, Black Girl Smile, is doing something to normalize the conversation. And, that, and essentially, that was what led me to the, you know, starting the podcast because I'm like. Now I'm learning I'm clearly not the only one who's having these challenges and really just to start that network. So thank you for, you know, it's the, the work that you're doing. And I wanted to actually ask Candace if you have, with your experience in dealing with your depression, have you ever received treatment such as maybe going to therapy or going to see a psychiatrist? And if so, um, what has been your experience or um, why or why or why not if you decided not to? Um, I actually have not. I have not gone. Now, when I was in um, when I was in high school, was I like a senior? Um, I did go see a therapist, but I was going through a rebellious stage. So my mom was like, what's wrong with you? You're just, you know, being rebellious. And so I did go see a therapist. It did help me um, with some things, you know, pertaining to my father um, and the lack of that relationship, right? Uh, but again, I was like 17 years old. And so I'm 33 now. I'm going to be 34 on Wednesday. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I definitely should um, should go to see someone. And I'm glad that really we're just having this conversation. You know, Takia, when you know when you sent out this email, I immediately I responded back to you and said, "Wow, this is this is so needed." Um, I think at the time when you announced it, that's when the whole thing. I think when Tyrese was going on, um, he's definitely someone that you know is dealing with something, and he he needs someone to talk to at least, right? Not trying to diagnose him, but he definitely seems like you know he needs some assistance in his life. And um, why I have not why I have not gone? Oh, to be honest with you, I, I don't know. Um, I guess you can say I'm trying to, uh, what is it, um, like self, what is it, self, you know, like fix myself or cure or I'm, I'm, like I said, I recognize, okay, that this is about to happen. Um, I probably need to go talk to someone and it's because I'm also an entrepreneur and to anyone who's, who's listening to this, who is an entrepreneur or you are just a creative person, you don't have to be an entrepreneur. If you're a creative person, more than likely you're going to deal with the depression. Why? Because you're, you're creative. You probably feel like your brain never shuts down. So you need to go to sleep so you won't stop thinking about the next thing that you want to do. Most recently, um, my dad helped um, my boyfriend and I move down to Charlotte, and he actually shared with me that, you know, he deals with depression. You know, he's an entrepreneur. Um, he's a landscaper. So during the winter months, as he's on the East Coast, or, you know, anyone that's elsewhere, he's on the East Coast, and winter happens. So people are not calling left and right, hey, can you mow my lawn? Can you plant the trees and, and the plants and everything, right? And he actually says that he, you know, he, he deals with that. And I never knew that. So I'm like, hmm, maybe that's where it comes from. Um, I do not know if he's actually gone into, you know, to get some assistance with that. Um, but, of course, he's a creative. He's also a, music, a musician. And so, like I said, to anyone that's in that in that realm, you know, it's, it's not anything to be embarrassed about because, like, I'm not worried, like, when this interview comes out, I want people to know this side of me because I know there are going to be so many other entrepreneurs that are going to say, Candace, like, I deal with that too. And that's what I want to happen because just like, and I don't know if you're going to touch on this, I don't want to go into something totally different, Takia, but 
um, just on Saturday, you know, the, the CEO of Golden Crest committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. he is that brand worth millions. I remember seeing the episode of Undercover Boss. So there are so many people, okay, that are sitting there dumbfounded. And they're like, what in the world? Like, they're worth millions of dollars. They're, they're retail. They have this. But you don't know what that man is dealing mm-hmm. with, that he mm-hmm. felt like he could not talk to someone about it. I did read that. I think it might be a tax issue. I'm not too, not too sure. But he was at a point where he just felt like there was no way up. And my heart goes out to individuals who feel like that because there's all there's always a, the other side, you know. It's going to be, you know, a storm that you're going through, but there's going to be another side to it and whatever else was, was on him. So people need to recognize that it's not anything to, to, look, uh, to be ashamed about. Everyone, you know, does deal with it, but especially those that are creatives and that are in that entrepreneur space because – you have to operate on a certain level anyways. You just, you think different and that's just what it is. So you're going to get overwhelmed. And so you have to talk about it. Um, I know I did like a long explanation. I will, you know, look into, you know, going to talk to someone because there's, there's no problem with going to talk to someone about your problems, you know, especially someone who doesn't know you because they're going to have a completely different look mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. instead of you know, talking to your family, you know, your friends about it, of course, going to be like, girl, you know, you're good, you know, you're educated, and, you know, you're a strong woman. No, I, I think I do want to hear from someone else that's going to say, well, have you thought about this? Or maybe it's because of that, you know, and you just never know how that's just going to enhance your life. Wow. And to echo, to echo what Candace just said, um, therapy isn't just for when you're having issues. I advocate for people to see a therapist in general. Um, For instance, with anything else health-related, going to the dentist, going to your gynecologist, going to get a physical, all that's proactive. It's going in, making sure everything's good, figuring out if there's anything additional that you can do to stay healthy. And same thing with therapy. Therapy, in a lot of cases, we think of it as a very reactive um, process and treatment, but it can be very proactive. You can say, everything is going right in my life, and I want to figure out how I maintain that. I'm feeling mm-hmm. awful. How do I maintain that? Because at some point, you know, some, you know, life will hit you, and how you deal with those, with the, you know, the experiences that you go through is really what pertains to your mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, because... So very small things can happen and very big things can happen, and you can react in a very positive way or a very negative way. And going to therapy in good times and bad is what really makes the difference in your coping skills and also your self-care methods. Wow, absolutely. While literally while both of you guys are talking, I'm like tearing over here, right, wiping my tears because I'm like, it's so true. Like just even going back to the story uh, that Candace was talking about, I have, when I when I read the article, what immediately happened, what, what I thought about was, see, that's why it's so important for people not to assume that just because someone has this degree, someone has this uh, this amount of houses, these amount of many, you know, all these houses and cars or all this money, that the things that matter most important is what's on the inside because you can have all those things and they can simply be a cover up for the hurt that's within. And so mm. people, a lot of times they associate materialistic things um, or your personality 
or maybe um or your character with you being okay and just you know with going to therapy with in that situation help helping you get beneath the surface but then just like lauren just said you don't have to have a a, a diagnosis to see a therapist which is very true because I like to say that therapy is for everyday people who live everyday life. Like whether you have an illness or not, you need someone who who doesn't have a connection with you and they can give you a very, they kind of give you a, they look at you in a very like neutral, I guess, way because they don't have that connection with you like your friends or your family. And so like now, but I'm a, I used to not really say anything about therapy, but I'm a mm -hmm. huge advocate for it because I see the benefits. I literally just said to myself on Saturday, I said, you know what? I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. I'm so proud of myself for doing the actual work, like um, learning my coping strategies and learning how every emotion and every um, decision that I make or every thought that I have is connected to something or working through my childhood trauma. Because a lot of things, as I'm sure Lauren knows with studying psychology, it it's rooted in our childhood. And when we become an adult and we're having certain issues that haven't been worked out, it's because we haven't really dealt with them. And so that's why I think it's really important for people to go to therapy. And there was even times when maybe my, you know, my depression was, I was managing it well, but then there was a time when I was talking to my therapist about, you know, uh, Candace, you know, when I was thinking about, and I was in the stages of, you know, doing PR. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to have, you know, I'm just going to do a PR agency because that's what I studied. That's what I enjoy. But then I was telling my therapist, I was like, I don't think that's what I want to do anymore. I was like, I think, you know, I want to use my communications and my PR skills for, you know, advocating for mental health. But I was like, I still have this love for entertainment. So how can I combine the two? And that was something mm -hmm. I actually figured out in therapy. And that had nothing to do with my depression. It had everything to do with me trying to figure out what I want to do with my life because I know that God has called me to be an entrepreneur. That has always been there since I was a little girl. And so, mm -hmm. but I was so devastated when I felt like I had this breakdown and I I had I was a bit torn. And then I said, you know what? There is a way to combine mental health, my background with entertainment and mental health to actually push the conversation forward. And I figured out a way to do that. And that was all by me taking the time to go to therapy, um, <laughs> taking time spending writing and figuring things out and what actually makes Takiya happy because I for me I realized when I do more things that make me happy I put that energy out into the world and it comes back but if I spend time stressing and thinking about all the things that aren't going right then I'm putting that energy out and that's coming back and so I'm so glad that you both talked about that and it gives people an understanding that therapy is okay whether you have a mental illness or not so thank you both for sharing that and i know with uh you know candace just going back to you and entertainment you know because i worked as you know a publicist in entertainment and i know how demanding it could be can you and you mm -hmm. all it's like you always have to be on and it can be very overwhelming and cause burnout uh can you talk about how you take care of your mental health with the demand of the industry that you work in uh yeah just um, I know Lauren said sometimes she just feels like she doesn't want to <laughs> work on certain days. I've definitely had some times where I, I'm i not responding to text messages. I'm not responding to, to emails. And it's because I have to take care of myself first. If I don't take care of myself first, then I cannot serve any of my clients to the best of my ability. And mm -hmm. I just think anyone really needs to, to understand that. 
because you really, you know how they say, you know, put the shoe on the other foot? Really, put yourself in that situation. What if it was you that, you know, you were feeling burnt out? And you, you just want, you just want an hour. You just want two hours to yourself to just sit there, read a book, take a nap, binge on some TV that, or whatever you want to do, right? Meditate. And you feel like you can't get that, right? And so that's why I try to tell people, I'm like, look, what if the shoe was on the other foot and it was you? You will want some understanding as well. And so I've just learned that sometimes I'm just not going to answer at a, at a certain you know, point of the day, and they'll have to wait to the next day. Or if I have been just working a lot, and I know eventually, and this is just across the board, you're going to get burnt out if you're just working constantly on the go, if you've been doing a lot of traveling, if your sleep hours are all over the place, like my sleep hours are all over the place. I went to bed at six o'clock. Why? Because yesterday I spent a lot of time in the bed because I was, you know, morning and um, I slept a lot. So I slept a lot. So therefore I could not go to sleep last night. I literally went to bed at six o'clock this morning and then try to get some more sleep. You know what I mean? So when your pattern is all all out of whack, um, sometimes I will not schedule certain things like on a day. So everything would go, will schedule around it. Um, so it is a blessing of being a full-time entrepreneur and being able to do that because you can, you know, kind of lead up to it. Okay, on Wednesday, Wednesday is my birthday, right? So there's nothing on my schedule. I'm going to get my makeup done. That's going to make me feel good. And that's what it is. Um, but if it's another week, then it may say, you know what, that Friday, I'm not scheduling anything because I need that downtime for me because I know Monday through Thursday, I had events, I had client meetings, I had like maybe 10 discovery calls throughout the, you know, the four days, right? And that's just a lot. So that's what I, that's what I do. For my, that's how I manage. However, I'll also say for someone who, who doesn't have the schedule where you can say, you know what, I'm just not going to schedule anything um, that day because, you know, they have to go to work every day, then maybe you need to schedule your your personal time before, say, you leave the house. Or if there's a time at lunch, maybe you have an hour for lunch, then maybe 30 minutes, you're going to go sit in your car and just sit and just be. I used to do that when I was when I was working at Fox. I would go sit in my car. Now, I would go sometimes sit in my car and cry because it was stressful being there, to be honest with you. But it got me out of the building and I was just able to be, right, time with myself. Or carve out that time for you in the evening. It is so important, okay, to carve that time out for yourself. Even if it's just 30 minutes, you can just sit with yourself, with your mind, and just try to clear it and not think about anything. So that's the benefits. That's how I do to take care of, you know, I guess you could say like my, my self-care. Um, but also I wanted to wanted to say if you're not in that position, you need to really make it make it your business that you do do that for yourself because that would only enhance your life. I'm so glad that you said that. I had a recent situation where my doctor early um a couple months ago where before I stopped working, my doctor had put me on medical leave because she said, you know, Taki, you're going back down the path and I, you know, if you don't catch it, you're you're going to go back into the hospital. And anyone who knows me, I can laugh about it now. But I say, I don't want to go back to the third floor of Southern Maryland Hospital, right? So um, it's okay now. I can laugh about it now. But it's like, no, I'm like, I don't want to go back there because I remember that time 
that space that I was in, you know, and they asked me what the day was and who the president was. I did know Obama was the president, but I didn't know like what day it was, what time it was. Like I was just completely out of it. And I'm like, that's not what I want to go back to. And so this was completely all against um, what someone should have said. But my supervisor had said to me, well, is your boss going to pay, you know, no, not your your boss. My supervisor said to me, well, is your doctor going to pay your bills? And I said, well, no, but I have to pick. Do you, some people value money and I understand we need money to pay bills. But at the end of the day, if I am six feet under, those bills are still going to be here. And um, I'm not going to be able to even do anything to try to catch up on any bills or to obtain any money because I'm no longer here. So at the end of the day, you do have to prioritize your mental health because it is crucial and it can be life or death for some people. And I know in my case, I know how severe and how sick I can get. Like when my depression comes on, I have actual physical aches. It almost feels like um, I have like the flu, like I have like chills and Mm -hmm. it's like it affects me physically as well. And so it's important for people to uh, to be mindful that if you start to feel like when Candace said, you know, something's coming on, you immediately say, you know what, I need to take a moment because, you know, if you keep going down that path, what, you know, what can manifest? And so mm-hmm. I want people to understand that, you know, not to wait until it gets to that point. And so I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that you, that you share that. And I wanted mm-hmm. to ask both of you what, you know, what advice would you give to another Black woman who battles depression or really any mental illness is a, you know, is an entrepreneur or considering entrepreneurship, but don't feel as though they feel like their mental illness or their challenges could be a hindrance to the success of their business? What would you tell them? Um, I'll, I'll let Lauren start. <laughs> Um, My answer kind of goes to the last question as well. Um, I think that you have to build habits. So someone broke it down for me one day very well. So what happens is each day you have, let's say, 100 brain points. If you're depressed, it could take up 90 of those. So the additional 10 could be spent maybe brushing your teeth and taking a shower, and that's all you can accomplish for the day. Everything needs to be habit. But things that we have that we set as a habit they take less points. So things like brushing your teeth and taking a shower, those maybe only take five points because we do them every day. So the more that we build up habits, the less brain points that takes. So for me, it was really taking some time to evaluate what works for me. And I read a great book. It's by a woman named Valerie Burton. Um, And it's What Successful Women Do or some, something yeah. along those lines. Her name is Valerie oh, yeah. Burton. Mm-hmm. I, really, I really hope everyone goes out and gets this book because it was awesome. But what she does and what she um, encourages people to do is take a day, a day that you're very productive. Write down everything you did that day. Memorize that day. And then the days that you find that you're not productive, write down what you did that day. For me, it's list. I'm a huge list person. So if I write a list, I do what's on the list. But if things are not on my list, they don't get done. So for days that I'm experiencing a little bit more depression, what I'll do is I'll just write a shorter list. But I know that it's habit for me to go through my list and do the things that are on my list because that is what I've built up as a habit. If it's not on my list, it takes a little bit more brain power and I'm using more of my brain points. But if it's on my list, if I'm doing things that are a habit, I'm using less brain points. 
So I, don't, I know that that's a very, like, elementary way to explain it, but if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. That goes back to why it's really difficult for you to do some things sometimes. It's because you're just mentally exhausted. You used all your 100 points for the day. So it's hard to go over the 100 if you've used them all up. But the more that we build in things, the more that we make them a habit, it's a lot easier as an entrepreneur and especially as someone who struggles, struggles with mental health difficulties. So I will ask the kids, so is this someone that's going into entrepreneurship or already entrepreneur that, that knows that they have dealt with depression? I'm sorry, no. It's someone who they could be dealing with depression or it could be something else. Maybe it's bipolar disorder, maybe it's schizophrenia, or maybe they haven't been diagnosed, but they have mental health challenges and they see it as a disadvantage as to why they can't start a business or or if they already are an entrepreneur, they don't see their business maybe growing because they feel like it's a disadvantage. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Well, I will say this. Whatever you put your mind to, whatever, you know, you were determined to make happen, you can make happen. And and I know it's easier said than done, right? Because, you know, you're you're dealing with, you know, some challenges already. However, to piggyback of what Lauren said, um, I actually think making lists because I also make them as well. <laughs> and so maybe that is a something, a characteristic that, you know, when you do have those challenges, you actually need to see things. Like for me, yeah, I can use my calendar and my phone, but I have to write everything down in my planner and my passion planner. My life is in my passion planner. If it's not in there, not too sure who you spoke with, <laughs> right? But I don't, I don't know. You know, you spoke. We're supposed to have a meeting. You know, this was on my planner, and every, every, everything is there. I have to see it. And so, I think it's to first uh, recognize um, wh- whatever challenge that you do have, recognize it. Of course, I'm pretty sure you've already, you know, done the research. And so maybe there is someone who is bipolar. Maybe there is a certain way that they should operate a business, right? Like, I wonder if that exists, to be honest with you. If you are someone that is clinically depressed or, you know, has episodes of depression, maybe there is a suggestive way that you should operate a business. Or if you're someone who is bipolar, maybe there is a suggestion of how you should operate your business, right? I don't even know if that exists. I just, that just popped up in my head. But I think just doing the research and, like, doing lists and being prepared I think being organized, that's always going to help you. Um, that'll always, um, I guess, help you a, a couple steps, keep you, keep yourself a couple steps ahead um, because you are already, see, this is, this is the thing. You're already privy to certain things. You, you already know that this is something that you deal with. It's not just you're going on and then, oh, it just happened, and how do I deal with it now? You're going into it knowing that this is a challenge that I have so let me structure my business, right, around uh, that, you know, that challenge. And so maybe if you are just starting the business, maybe you have to be very honest with yourself and say, I can only have calls three days a week, or I can only work with my clients three days a week as I really figure out how I'm going to start moving with my business. If you are currently in your business and you've been dealing with the challenges, then maybe you're going to have to be honest with yourself and say, you know what, Jennifer? I'm going to have to take a step back or I'm going to have to remove two days off of, you know, my my week because I need to really get things in order and then figure it out. And maybe I can add them on later, later on, if that makes any sense. But that would be that would be my my suggestion for, for anyone. I agree. Being organized is definitely one of them. And then just knowing when you have to take a step back, which is 
pretty much with both uh, you and Lauren said, in order to have a successful business, your mind has to be in the right space. It's really hard to operate or simply do anything if you're not in the right headspace. Yeah, and I really just want to take time to thank both of you ladies for joining me today on the Fly Flies Unite podcast. It has certainly been a pleasure and a joy. And if anyone wants to connect with you or work with you or inquire about your services, how can they um, reach out uh, to you, you know, give them your website and your social media handle? Um, so this is Candice Nicole, and thank you so much again, Takia. This was um, a really beautiful conversation to have. I've never spoken about me dealing with, you know, my struggles, you know, with depression. Um, but I know I'm not, I'm not the only one, you know, I'm not the only entrepreneur out here and that has definitely, you know, dealt with that. So I appreciate you even creating this, this platform. It's definitely needed. Um, more than more than anything right now. Uh, so if anyone wants to connect with me uh, pertaining about my PR services or if you want to know more about my women's network, Women Who Hustle, you can contact me at Candice Nicole PR, and that is C-A-N-D-I-C-E, Nicole PR, or at Women Who Hustle. Um, oh, and my PR, PR website is CandiceNicolePR.com. Thank you, Candice. And Lauren, what about you? I want to thank you as well for having me, and uh, Candice, it's been great speaking to you as well. Um, I really appreciate um, you kind of creating this platform for us to discuss this. I think that this is this is half the battle, just starting the conversation and getting people more open to having these sort of discussions. So I very much commend you and applaud you for creating this platform. Um, I can be reached at blackgirlssmile.org, and that's uh, two S's in the middle, so blackgirlssmile.org. And I can also be emailed at lauren.carson at blackgirlssmile.org. Thank you, ladies, so much. And I'll be sure to include your social handles and your website in the show notes so people can access that as well. So for this week, therapist shout out. And before I say anything about the therapist shout out, I just want to clarify that the therapist shout out is for therapists who are of color, so Black, Asian. I just want to specify that because the podcast is to normalize the conversation about mental health within communities of colors, and we want to make sure that people are getting the services from people that they identify with because in a lot of cases, most people of color say that they don't feel as though someone who is not um, of color can't really identify with them because their struggles are different. Now, that's not to say that that's true in all cases, but there have been cases where a lot of people have said that. So as the host of the podcast, it is, I believe that it's my responsibility to make sure people know where to go to have certain resources if that's their issue with trying to find someone they identify with. Now that that disclaimer is out the way, for this week therapist shout out, it goes to an amazing therapist that I had the pleasure of connecting with on social media. And her name is Hope Coleman. She is based in, let's see, Louisiana, and she is also the founder of Hope In Her. You can check out the website, hopeinher.com. You can learn more about her story and also learn more about her services. And again, please don't forget to send your therapist shout outs to podcast at firefliesunite.com. Again, that's podcast at firefliesunite.com.
For this week's Mind, Body, and Soulness segment, I thought it was only fitting to address mental health and stress management for Black women entrepreneurs. To help me with this segment, I had to bring in a professional because I'm not a therapist, and I want to welcome Dr. Janae Taylor. Let me just tell y'all, when I discovered the Minding My Black business brand and podcast, I immediately understood it and I fell in love. Minding My Black Business is a movement and a podcast dedicated to the mental health of Black entrepreneurs led by Dr. Janae Taylor. The goal is to engage, inform, and support other Black entrepreneurs as they manage the business of work. Dr. Taylor is an Alabama native and a macaroni and cheese and brunch expert. She is also fluent in sarcasm, lover of neo-soul, and big laughs with good people. Most importantly, she is a daughter, a big sister, a best friend, a godmother, a HBCU grad, and trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Dr. Teller is a licensed psychotherapist in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where she owns and operates Taylor Counseling and Consulting Services. She works with Black men and women who are struggling with harmful self-evaluation. Therapy with Dr. Taylor helps them create a more empowered and focused sense of self that is more aligned with their beliefs and values. She also provides consultations to Black entrepreneurs in every stage of the game who are working to balance their mental health, Black identity, and successful businesses. Consultations with Dr. Taylor result in clear expectations and greater understanding of how to manage while executing their business identity. Welcome, Dr. Taylor, and thank you so much for joining me. It's just such an honor to have you, and I appreciate you for accepting my invitation. How are you doing today? Oh, my goodness, Takia. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I'm so excited for your podcast and, and the space that it's going to occupy and all the people that it's going to help. So I am, let's, I'm, I'm excited. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> after, after speaking with Candace and uh, Lauren, who are two black women that are amazing and successful entrepreneurs, they both battle with depression. And I would like you to share your experience and why you think it is important for uh, black entrepreneurs to take care of their mental health. Oh my goodness. Um, how much time do I have? Okay, so I'm going I'm <laughs> to try not to talk forever. So I think when it comes to entrepreneurs, and particularly black entrepreneurs, we see them as pillars of the community, right? So we see them as leaders of the community. And oftentimes what happens, which makes sense, because, um, you know, for those who have like the brick and mortar stores, um, sometimes there might even be events there or things that they do to to enrich or nourish or pour into the community. Um, so they um, they become these leaders, whether they wanted to or not. Um, but with that is sometimes either you put on a cape or somebody puts a cape on you um, because they are looking to you to solve problems. And um, while that is wonderful, um, sometimes black entrepreneurs can get in the trap of feeling like I don't have a place to be vulnerable. So I have to be on all the time. Um, and particularly, even if you start to, you know, expand your team or even have um, employees, then that, that cake becomes even tighter in terms of, like, 
I can't show that softer part of myself. I can't take breaks when I need to. And so my thought was, as I was creating my own business, is, like, I know I'm not the only one who is stressed out or who's overwhelmed. Like, I can't be. It, it, it's statistically impossible. Um, but I think when I talked to other entrepreneurs, they were talking to me about, like, their business model or how they created this, that, the other thing or their advertising. And, yeah, all that was fine. But I'm like, but what do you, how do you navigate relationships? Like, how do you do this and not have all your relationships fall apart? How do you do this and you are worry all the time? Or how do you do this if you're you're dealing with sadness? And those are conversations that I feel like weren't being had. And it, for me, it was because there was no space to have them. Um, I can't have them with my employees. I can't have it with the community. Um, I can't have it with my customers. Um, but But entrepreneurs can talk to each other. So. I think that um, having a space for entrepreneurs to pay attention to their emotional well-being and mental health is important, just like it's important for us to attend to our physical health. So for me, entrepreneurs, like on a daily basis, need to make sure they're checking on some things, you know. Um, did I did I eat breakfast? Um, did I bring my lunch to work or am, am I going to have lunch? Did I use the restroom? Am I sitting at my desk eating my food? Um, did I schedule a meeting over something? Like, so just some basic stuff. Have I seen the sun today? Um, have I checked in with people who I know love me and support me just so that I can, particularly if I'm having a rough day, um, just so that I can stay in contact with that, um, with my support network. So I said all of that to say. <laughs> uh, I think the idea of, or the the fact of checking in on our mental health for entrepreneurs is so very important because I think we're oftentimes put in a place that we have to be a lot of things to a lot of people, and that's um, that's unrealistic to sustain over time without some help. I could not agree more, and I think just going back to before I had a slight career switch, before I was doing mental health advocacy work um, because I've shifted from, because I have a communications background. So I was working in public relations entertainment. And so with that, I always had to be on the go, like, because with PR, you know, you're working around the clock, you're working with journalists, you're working with reporters. And I had a personal cell phone and a work cell phone. And it was just like, it was so much. And I just found my health deteriorating. And, and then I, I started and at the time, I was also still working full time for someone else and then working part time for myself. And, and this was a few years back. And then I had my breakdown and which led to my suicide attempt. And I started to realize, like, you know, you can't do it all. You know, you need for one, you need help and you need to address your mental health concern. And I think for a long time, we just try to sweep things under the rug or act like, you know, if I could just go one more day, if I could just get this pro- this one last project done, then, you know, then I'll rest. But right. it, it shouldn't have to be to the point where your body has to make you shut down, you know, it because that's mm-hmm. where I was getting. And, and then I think, too, with since I'm the oldest of seven children, I naturally kind of took on mommy number two. So I had all of my siblings who I felt I kind of had the pressure that maybe they put on me or maybe I put on myself to feel like I want to be the best example for them. 
and then trying to juggle all of these things with when I was in grad school and then working full time and then trying to launch my business. And then I was like, OK, something something has to give. And unfortunately, it took a suicide attempt to kind of make the light bulb go off, but it didn't go off right away. It was over time of going to therapy and addressing the issues that I had and what was making me feel this way. And and then learning more about my family's history with mental health and learning that mental uh mental disorders you know they ran in my family and just learning about all of that it kind of shaped me into you know the work and the advocacy that I'm doing for mental health and just shifting my communications and PR towards more mental health focus so that's kind of how I got there so I was so glad that you said those things like did I stop to take a, a break did I eat because it is important to check in with yourself. And as entrepreneurs, of course, with always having so many things going on, it is important to just simply stop and check in with yourself. So I wanted to ask you, what are some of the coping strategies that entrepreneurs with with mental illness as such as depression or bipolar disorder or maybe schizophrenia, they can put into practice to continue to have a balance life and manage their mental illness and then secondly their business because I think it's important for us to understand that it should be our mental health first then our business not the other way around mm-hmm. you're so right because um if we not if we aren't attending to our mental health our emotional well-being then there is no business <laughs> so um at some point the business will suffer um, as a result of those things so there's a couple things. So what are some things that people should do? So for those who have have a you know a diagnosis, whether that's depression or schizophrenia or you know generalized anxiety disorder, um, my first suggestion um, or recommendation is that you get connected to a therapist. Um, and so that can be done in a whole bunch of ways. If you have insurance, you can find a therapist there. There are all sorts of directories. There's psychologytoday.com where you can look someone up. Um, there is um, – so Dr. Joy uh, Bradford created a wonderful therapist directory called Therapist for Black Girls. So um, so you can also go there as well to check out um, therapists that are in your area. I'm in that directory as well, so big ups to Joy. Um, so I, that would be my first thing. And so when I say that you need to get a therapist, I think that that – needs to be a part of your team, just like an accountant, just like a lawyer, just like a graphic designer, make that therapist part of your team, like that's your to-go person. So when it comes time to, to pay quarterly taxes, you turn to your accountant. Um, uh, you know, these, this is someone you're turning your receipts into. So think of your therapist as that same type of person, helping you manage yourself and your business as you move along from 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 moment to moment. So that would be my first suggestion. So there's that part, but there's also a group of people who are entrepreneurs who who might not necessarily meet the criteria for a diagnosis, but maybe there's something that has happened that has created uh, a bump. So maybe there's been a traumatic experience. Maybe there's been someone that they've lost, um, either through the end of a relationship or someone has passed away. Um, maybe you have moved. Maybe you've had to move the business. Maybe you've downsized or maybe you've taken on another branch. Um, so all those things, too, would require the support of, of a therapist as well because that is going to require um, some parts and pieces of you that are outside of your normal 
your normal day experience or your typical day experience, I should say. So for me, there tends to be like a foundational piece that I talk to every single client about, and that is to make sure that um, your basic self-care needs are taken care of. And some of that I mentioned a few minutes ago, but for me, there are like three big things. One is to make sure that you're sleeping. Um, and so when I say sleeping, six to eight hours is 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 okay. Ideally, we could get eight to ten, but I know as entrepreneurs, that's I might be asking for a lot. But if you can get somewhere close to eight hours a night, um, then that will sort of uh, arm you with the level of energy and focus that you need to, to walk into the day with. So if you're sleep deprived, that impacts so many things, your memory, your mood, your ability to pay attention, um, your immune system. So just just ensuring that you are getting some proper um, and consistent rest. So that's the thing too. Like if you find yourself being restless um, uh, or not being able to sleep for gaps of time, if you find yourself oversleeping, these are all indicators that it's also time to check in with someone. Um, so sleep is the first thing. The second one is um, food. So like I mentioned before, are you eating? And so when I say eating, I'm not I'm not a nutritionist. So I'm not going to get into the the calories and the type of food. But are you fueling your body in a consistent way? So um, when you wake up, are you having a meal? Are you having a meal midday? Are you having a meal at the end of the day? Um, because entrepreneurs go. They go, they go, they go. There's time, There's uh, constant things that are pulling at you that you need to make sure that you're managing. But if you're not eating um, or if you are eating something that's not really a meal, then you're not fueling your body with the energy it needs to, to carry you through the day. Second thing. So third, the third part is exercise. So, again, I'm not a personal trainer. Uh, I'm not an exercise scientist in any way. But there are – I so I work in an industry in terms of therapy that is pretty sedentary. I'm stuck to literally to a chair. Uh, <laughs> if I'm not in the chair, I'm, I'm behind my desk. And so um, I have to sort of be really conscious about making sure that I move, get up. And um, particularly if I feel like I'm in the midst of, like, writing reports, and what will happen is our attention spans in general are about 15 minutes in length. Like we can focus real hard for 15 minutes, then our brain just kind of needs a just a quick little break, um, and then it can get back to it. And the older we get, the shorter that attention span gets, unfortunately. Um, so so that's one part. It's just to sort of get your brain to like reboot itself, is to get up and, and work around. But also just get the blood flowing, and you start to feel better. You start to have those, you know, endorphins and dopamines as you move around. And I'm not I'm not encouraging people to go run miles in the middle of their work day, but even if it means standing outside, walking outside, and getting, you know, 10 minutes of sunshine, that vitamin D um, that you would get from the sunshine is going to um, it's gonna it's gonna be helpful in terms of the energy and focus. So so those basic things in terms of self care that's one part. The second part is kind of going back to that team that you're gonna need a support network. Sometimes we're not the best at determining when we're not doing okay. And for me, I feel like I, I got a pretty good grasp on when I'm having a really good moment and when I'm having a tough moment. But sometimes those people who are nearest and dearest to me, when I start getting questions like, are you okay? <laughs> you 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 know, it's, I'm just checking in. Then I know that something has happened that I need to, to pay attention to. And so I'm grateful to have that group of people in my life that sort of know me like the back of their hand, and they know when I'm doing good, they know when I'm just being moody, they know when I'm, I'm being stressful, and then they know when something else is going on. So 
getting that support network of folks. And for, for those who don't have that family and friends, that's where the therapist will come in. Or if you do have the family and friends, adding the therapist to the team is going to be really helpful. So for me, those are like the first two things, having a group of people around you, um, who can support you and you can support them as well, as well as make, managing the self-care pieces. And so I know some of the thoughts that, that people tend to have around therapy is sometimes it can feel self-indulgent, um, like taking a vacation or taking a, a, you know, a day off, a mental health day. Like that can feel like I can't afford to do those types of things. When reality, you can't afford not to do those types of things. So if if I had, you know, if I had in my way, everybody would have a therapist, and it wouldn't feel like such an outsider type thing. But that would be. I feel like I'm rambling, but I hope I answered at least part of your question. Uh, <laughs> those would be some of my responses uh, immediately in terms of what I think people people should do. You are hitting on so many points, and I actually want you to go back to something that you said because I was like, she must, she must be reading my mind <laughs> because <laughs> we live in a world, of course, of social media, and we see see things like hashtag Team No Sleep, hashtag Grinding, hashtag Sleep When You're Dead. It's all glamorized, and I used to be one of those people who fell into that category, but after getting really sick and hospitalized for my depression and anxiety and being in recovery, I realized how stupid that is. And I mean to be so straightforward, but sleep and rest is a part of your mental, is a part of caring for your mental health and your body needs rest to function properly. And I know this to be true because of that experience. Like when I was in the hospital, I had no concept of time. I was not really fully coherent. And it was like, I was having an outer body experience. Can you talk about a little bit more about the importance and the significance of taking a break and actually getting proper rest and knowing when to turn it off to prevent burnout. Okay. Ooh, that's big. Okay. So <laughs> you're absolutely correct here that I see that stuff too, like hustle harder. And that drives me nuts because I think it implies, one, it implies that you're not doing enough, which, ugh that you're not moving fast enough, that, you know, that you're behind in some way, that creates, you know, a level of, like, inferiority complex. Like, why? Why? That's not helpful. Um, so I like to operate from a standpoint of realistic positivity, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you can't be, again, you can't be all things to all people. So I think part of that is when you're an entrepreneur, that does sort of feel like, there's a level of competition. Like you want to be seen as the best. You want to be seen as the expert. You want to be seen as the go-to. And so I think that has translated for some people. That means that you need to like constantly be on or constantly be producing um, or constantly have your name in other people's mouths. Well, you can do that without working 24 hours a day. And so I think entrepreneurs are at their best when they are balanced. So entrepreneurs are business owners, and that is just one part of yourself. You also have relationships. You have family. Hopefully you have hobbies. Um, there's some part of you that's connected to the community. So how will they get nurtured? How will these other parts of yourselves get nurtured if you're spending 20 hours a day focused on the business? And so, like, if you think about those corporations that are paying their employees well and have good uh, benefits packages, Oh, I'm some some use Oprah <laughs> for an example because uh, she talks a lot about you know living your best life and uh, I know some people will say that mockingly but truly you can 
you can, if you follow her on some of her social media accounts, you'll see her, you know, in one moment she's, you know, at a premiere for a movie or, you know, her uh, Queen Sugar is doing something. But then in the next moment she's talking about the harvest that she's had in her garden and she has it all splayed out in her kitchen. And so, like, that's real. Like, (laughs) see if you can find ways in which that, you know, once the, the light is off at the business, that you yourself have something to hold on to. The business cannot be your life. You need an identity outside of that. And that can be really hard for people at the very beginning when you're starting your business. And if you find yourself in that hustle mode and grinding mode that sometimes we can isolate ourselves, particularly if our support network are not filled with entrepreneurs. So they don't even know what you're having to do. They don't even know what it means to get a business license, a tax ID number, a business bank. So they don't even know what that stuff is. And that can be hard, too, to explain to people sometimes. So sometimes people will result to, like, isolating themselves, and then that can result in not getting sleep, or that can result in, um, you know, another part we hadn't talked on, it's like using substances. So um, and when I say substances, I'm not necessarily talking about like painkillers or Xanax or um, other things. I'm talking about like caffeine or alcohol or tobacco or marijuana to help them sort of like get through the grind of creating and sustaining this business. So just sort of as a cautionary tale, I think it can be really easy to lose yourself in the business building, business making process because the business is demanding. It will always need something. It will always need attending to. But you can't lose yourself in the course of that because on the other side of that, then there'll be there'll be a business there, but there'll be no you. And that business can't sustain itself if the person in charge of it has nothing to give it. So I agree with you wholeheartedly about being able to rest, being able to take mental health days for real and not as a joking thing. That's the other part, too, is we will say these things in joking manner. But there's there's a val- there's validity to taking a mental health day. You need a break. You need vacations. So something that I also talk to entrepreneurs about is, like, I already know you're going to work on these holidays, but don't work the whole holiday, you know, because sometimes it makes sense to do some of that stuff around Black Friday during the Christmas holidays, that sort of thing. Um, but for real, you are a real life person that has a life and have people that care about you and you need to nourish those relationships. Yeah, that I'm so glad you said that because it just confirmed the things that I have been doing. Um, because of course, like I can relate to a lot of that because with my slight career switch, it's like, yeah, I have been putting a lot of times in a lot of time into working on the podcast and doing uh, things that I have to do. But I also have to tell myself like, okay, what else am I doing? So I'll stop for a moment and I listen to my, you know, some of my favorite podcasts. I'm stopped in the process of doing this. I'm reading a book because I know that I love reading and the process of this, I'm still writing because I know that I love writing, writing and reading are coping strategies to help me manage my anxiety and my depression. So I don't want to get too far away from that. I guess it's a blessing and a curse that it's incorporated into my business, but I still make sure that I take time to pull away so that I'm giving, I'm just kind of refueling my body. And of course, because as entrepreneurs, we wear multiple hats and we're immune to juggling multiple balls in the air, but often neglect ourselves. And so in addition to that, you know, with the stigma surrounding mental health and all that entrepreneurs have to do to be successful, what do you see as the biggest reason that, in particular, we want to talk about 
uh, black entrepreneurs or um, minority entrepreneurs or communities of color who may be entrepreneurs, the reason why they don't seek help. And I want to know what has been your experience, why you think people wait until they've gotten to like their low point or they just they're a bit skeptical about seeking help. So there are a few things that come to mind when you ask that. Um, One is I think in general, all of us, um, so this is not isolated to those communities of color, that we sort of have like an intervention standpoint as opposed to a prevention standpoint when it comes to our health, both physical and uh, mental health. So in thinking about what it means to go to urgent care or go to the ER versus going to make sure you have your yearly physical with your physician. And I think people take the same approach to mental health. And and particularly because mental health, even more so than physical health, can be invisible. Like sometimes it's hard to describe what it means to have an anxiety attack. Sometimes it's really hard to describe to me to it's it's hard to describe to others what it means to have a depressive episode. You don't have the energy to do it or um the thoughts are foggy so you can't do it. So so that's one part too. And sometimes those things happen gradually and so you don't even recognize yourself slipping. So that's one part too. It's like not a, not being able to see it. You can't see it because it's happening so gradually. And the tricky part is sometimes you're still able to function. Like you're still able, and when I say function, I mean like get up, get dressed, go to work. So that could be tricky too. It's like, well, I'm getting work done, but maybe it's not my best work. Maybe I'm not producing in the way that I should be, but I'm getting work done. So I must be okay. So that can be hard to reconcile. Like when do I need help if I'm able to, you know, get myself fed, get the family fed, that sort of thing. The Another part of it is I think, you know, like I was saying earlier, is that I think sometimes that feels selfish. I think some people think that going to to therapy feels selfish or feels like a luxury, and as opposed to viewing it as a part of healthcare. Um, so that would be something that I'm hoping that we're able to continue to do that make therapy part of more mainstream. And I'm, you know, I get excited when I see it presented in places um, in pop culture that make it seem a little more accessible and not something that is not in terms of like laying on someone's couch and telling someone your dreams. Like that's not, that's not, that's not what it, that's not what it is. Um, And then the other part, (laughs) the other part of that is I think there might be some folks who the light bulb is starting to come on saying, you know, I might need to talk to someone or I might need that support. And they literally have no idea how to do it. Um, so that's the other part is how do I go from this idea of thinking I need therapy to actually being in someone's office? Well, there's a bajillion ways you can get there. That's the, that's the crazy part, um, uh, is that you can, you can, you know, referrals are really helpful. So more often now than before, people are talking about therapy or going or saying, you know, being open to admitting that they've gone to therapy and, Sometimes those are the best ways to get connected with the therapist um, is, you know, this is someone you trust and respect and they, and you share that moment, but just figuring out how do I get there? So again, that goes to like the insurance companies or even Googling, um, sometimes even a simple Google search of, uh, you know, therapists in my area or Latina therapists in my area, black therapists in my area can produce you with a a level of um, results. And I know for me, when people contact me, one of the things that we do in that beginning consultation is talking about what that appointment looks like, 
but also with that first appointment in my office looks like, but also letting them know part of my job is to get a, a good idea of what's going on for them, but also to see if I'm the most appropriate fit. And so, you know, my ego is not such that I think I can handle every issue that walks through the door. But if it gets to a space where somebody is talking about something and I know that that's not my, my area of expertise, my job then as a therapist is to help help them get connected to someone who can better help them. So in those cases in which that happens, I provide them with a list of referrals um, to other people who I think that they will work better with. So entering into therapy is like entering into a relationship. Not everybody you walk in front of is going to be the best fit. And and that's the other part, too, is being open to that process. Um, and that can be a little scary. But uh, a therapist will know, you know, be able to provide that context and help you get to the services that you need. Yes. I I think that you what you said was so important because even for me, before I found my therapist, I went through probably a few and I would go to one session and I would say, no, this is not for me. In my experience, I know everyone is different. I've worked better with someone I, ident- I identify with. So my preference for my therapist or really any of majority of my doctors have been black women. So when looking for a therapist, I have had a, you know, a white female therapist, a white male therapist. It didn't work out for me. Actually, in one of the sessions, I actually left out feeling worse than what I, it was just, it was just bad. And so like my therapist that I have now been working with her for two years, and I, I can say that attest to it does take time to find the right person to work. And it can be frustrating. You know, imagine being, you know, dealing with depression and not having the energy to get out of bed. And then you have to, you get tired of searching. You don't have the energy to even simply pick up your phone to find a therapist. Um, And I'm grateful for my support system that they were helping me and finding the right people that I needed down to the therapist or a psychiatrist and saying, here, maybe you want to try this one, or I'll take you to this appointment because they know how draining, how debilitating and frustrating it can be to deal with depression. And so I want people to understand that it's okay if you have to go through a a few people. And another thing that you said that I wanted to reiterate about just sitting on the couch and telling them your dreams or your problems. Yes, therapy does not work unless you work. You can go to therapy, but if you're not putting the coping strategies or the tools in place to better your mental health, it's kind of like beating a dead horse because it's not going to work unless you put the work in. And I'm so grateful because I just said over the weekend to a few people that I said, you know what, I'm so, I'm so, I had to tell myself, you know what, Key, I'm so proud of you because I've been in therapy and I've been like doing the work. I see the benefits of therapy when you have your aha moment and you see how emotions are connected to things and the reason why you make certain decisions or your view of the world. You see how all these things are connected and how they impact your mental health. And for me, therapy is about growing. Therapy is about evolving and simply becoming a better person. I always say that the person I am today, I, I shouldn't be the same person uh, tomorrow or when I'm in my 40s or when I'm in my 50s. There should always be a level of growth and evolution happening if you want to be one, the best entrepreneur that you can be, the best mom you can be, the best dad you can be. Whatever those roles are, the only way that you're able to fulfill those and be effective at it is check is making sure that your mental health 
is in check. And so that's why I was so glad that you said that. So thank you for just confirming that. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yes, I'm like, preach to kid, preach. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am, I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And what would you say, you know, what are some words of encouragement you would give to the aspiring entrepreneur who feel like they aren't mentally strong enough to start a business? Or how can working with the therapist, such as yourself, who focus on entrepreneurs, help them with building self-esteem and strengthening their mental health so that they can be in a better mental headspace to start a business? Mm -hmm. Okay, so a a few things pop up as you ask that question. One is, so creating a a business, building a business is hard work. Um, That's the reality of the situation. It's hard work. And it's hard work because there are so many pieces, so many moving parts to get um, a business off the ground. It's hard work, but it's not impossible. And so I would suspect for entrepreneurs, these are are groups of people who are highly motivated, who have a level of energy, that there has probably been a hardship that you've had in your life up until this point that you have overcome. So if you could do that, you can create a business. Um, I will also say that I wouldn't feel as though that you have to do it all by yourself. One of the biggest lessons that I've learned most recently is the power of delegation. Like, I <laughs> I have degrees in certain areas, and they are not in accounting and marketing and, and uh, legal, you know, I don't have a, a, a legal degree. So I have to recognize where my expertise ends and where somebody else's needs to pick up. And so that is something that I had to, and and it's hard because your business is your baby. And and for me, I was very protective over it. And so the idea of like bringing people on and like sharing part of my, you know, my dream, and my vision with them, that was a big deal. And so I get how that can be that way for others. So again, connection is so very key. I also want to sort of highlight our Facebook group, Minding My Black Business on Facebook, uh, which is for black entrepreneurs. And the goal is, uh, there's a few goals. One is to support each other. So, you know, if there's an event that's coming up, you have a sale on some merchandise or whatever, that's a space to do that. It's also a space to, um, you know, some people talk about a really hard moment or a tough moment they've had in that space, and that's a, that's a place to get that type of support. But then there's also a space to sort of just check in on your mental health. There's There are things that, Takia, you shared some things recently in the group about some things that we need to pay attention to as it relates to mental health. Um, so that's something, too, is to find your community, and that's the community that's there waiting for you. We would love to have you. The other piece is in terms of, you know, it would be wonderful if we could get to a space where we think of therapy as just a regular thing. So it could be a space where you have, you know, a mental health diagnosis, or let's just say you are experiencing the nerves or the anxiety or the worry about taking on this new thing, this new business, you know, therapy or a consultation, because that's another piece that I offer for folks is, is consultations for entrepreneurs. And so what that looks like is that is just how that's different from therapy is that that has a start and an end date. Um, and therapy does too, 
but you don't sort of enter into the therapeutic relationship saying, okay, after three sessions, we're done. Um, but with these consultations, that's how the structure is built into it. So I might meet with someone for a period of six weeks, a period of two weeks. You know, there are different packages, so to speak. But we sort of talk about the ways in which there might be some emotional pieces that are impacting your ability to get the business done. And so that could be stress. It could be disconnection from relationships. It could be that you're starting to withdraw from others. It could be that you're having difficulty focusing or there's um, some inattention going on. It could be that you're trying to manage some sadness. It could be that things were fine and then you had this this big loss, um, whether that's a business loss, a relationship loss, someone passed away. So there are some things that we would do together in a short span of time to help you get to, you know, the other side of that. So, yeah, so those are, in my mind, that's those are some of the ways in which people can handle their business and handle their business, if that makes sense. Yes, handle your business and handle your mind business. <laughs> and it's so funny because I, <laughs> I think about the song, um, I, I can't remember this, the lyrics or something like, I got money on my mind and my mind on my money. Yes, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it, it's true because, you know, of course, as entrepreneurs, you're always trying to figure out all, all of these things. Or then even people who are just thinking like, well, I know I want to start a business, but I'm not really sure if I can do it. I don't know anybody who started a business when they haven't all of those things. That's why people sometimes don't even think about having a therapist to actually help them. I can, t you know, sit here and admit that, yes, my therapist has worked me through um, and helped me manage, rather, my depression and my generalized anxiety disorder. She has definitely helped me through that, helped me through working through my, you know, suicide, my suicidal thoughts. But she's also, you know, worked with me and supporting me and my, and my dreams, my goals and my my ambitions and the things that I want to do. I've sat there and talked to her countless times about how, you know, when I was working my nine to five, how I just felt like there was, I couldn't be my complete self. I felt like I couldn't uh, express my creativity. I always felt like I was, I had a, a cap that was placed on what I could do and what I, what I could do and what I couldn't do. It was like, I just always felt the need that there was more that I could offer. I knew that I worked really well independently and I'm a person that has a vision and I go and execute it. But within my nine to five, it wasn't really giving me the opportunity to do that. And so, yes, I've talked about that to my therapist. And um, I think it's important for people to realize that, you know, therapy is just not for someone who who has a mental diagnosis. It's, it's, it's for people like I just wrote an article and I said, therapy is for everyday people with everyday problems. That's what people need to understand and so I'm so glad that you have your platform you know minding my black business to give entrepreneurs a platform to manage their mental health have a successful business and to connect with one another so if anyone you know wants to you know connect with you on social media or use your services uh how can they find you oh my goodness okay so you can start with the website which is mindingmyblackbusiness.com and that will um, you know, there's a section that talks about contact us, and it it should, it'll take you to all the social media pages. On Facebook, we have our group, um, Minding My Black Business. Um, on Instagram, it's Dr. Janae Taylor, and on Twitter, it's Minding My Black Biz, B-I-Z. But yeah, 
So we are everywhere you need us to be. Yes. So whether you want to get connected with mine and my black business or you want to hire Dr. Taylor as your therapist, uh, you have those ways of getting in contact with her. And I just want to thank you for just taking time out of your busy day to just really be a part of my journey in the beginning stages. It's like one of those most crucial moments for me because it's something that, like I said, I have been really um, emotional about doing the podcast because it's something that I believe that God has placed on my heart and shifted me in a completely different direction. And it was so scary because it's, um, you know, it was birthed out of a lot of pain and shame and embarrassment, but it, it amazes me how life becomes full circle and stuff that you never, I never, if you would have asked me five or seven years ago, was I going to do anything with mental health? My answer would have been no, because I have my plan laid out, but it's funny. <laughs> it's funny how life works. And as hard as it is, or as it was, I would, I, I wouldn't ask to have a, t- to change anything about my experience or change anything about my circumstances, because I realized how I've grown from, from it. And by being okay with living in my truth and saying, you know what, there's nothing wrong about this because we're probably about, oh, a few, it was a while. I'm not sure exactly the time frame that I didn't really come out and say it. But when I actually quote unquote came out and said, this is my struggle, because I felt like people, they would downplay it. They would say things like, oh, everybody gets depressed. But I'm like, y'all, you know, it's a difference between being depressed and sad, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's they, it's, they would kind of like downplay it. So I felt like my, my experience couldn't be validated, but by going to therapy, it helped me work through that. And now I can say, you know what, it is what it is, y'all, you know, it's, it's my story. You know, I struggle with depression and I see a therapist and I go to a psychiatrist and I have to help, you know, take my medication just as if like, for instance, I have asthma. There was no issue for me saying, oh, I have asthma. But if you was trying to get me to talk about anything with mental health, I was not going to say nothing. So I I'm so glad that you're you're doing this. And I just have a level of respect and honor for everyone in the, the mental health profession because I know the significance that it that it makes in the uh, black community and communities of color just because we're embarrassed or we really don't want to talk about it uh, just because we come from a long history of trauma. But I think today we're getting to a better place. So thank you so much for just joining me on the podcast. Absolutely. And I am so uh, thankful for what you're doing. And this is great. This is great. I know there are going to be big things in your future as a result of, of, of the voice that you are putting out there into the world. So thank you. Thank you so much. I definitely appreciate it. Okay, so moving right along to the journal entry segment. Again, for your journal entry segments, also send them to podcast at fire, F-I-R-E-F-L-I-E-S, unite, U-N-I-T-E dot com. Again, that's podcast at fireflyesunite.com. So this week, journal entry says, Dear Kia, I'm currently struggling with a family member that I feel may be struggling with a mental illness. I've noticed signs of depression for the past two months. After the loss of her job and home, she hasn't been herself, and I am not the only one who has noticed. She doesn't want to get out of bed for days in a row or will have negative thoughts and be just extremely sad. I'm not sure how to go about the situation, but I want to make sure she has the right help and resources if she is going through a depression. Can you please help me figure out how to go about this situation? 
Sincerely, a concerned niece. Okay, so I know it can be extremely challenging when you're watching a loved one go through a challenging time. And it may be hard to figure out how to best approach them. My suggestion would be to call them and check on them and see how they're doing. If they, I'm not sure if the person, if your aunt, if you're in the same state that she's in. Uh, because if you are, I would suggest going over to her going to her house and just going over there and just simply letting her know that you're there for her and that you want to see her get better. And you can just ask her if she would be willing to go to therapy. Because from my experience, I have been seeing the same therapist for two years and I can say that therapy certainly works. Now, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I also know that there are medications that actually help deal with someone who is in a very depressive state and they have a very hard time getting out of it. So also seeing a psychiatrist as well, because working with a therapist will help her work on her cognitive behavior and thinking and actually help her work through any underlying issues that are there that are causing and triggering the depression. And then a psychiatrist will help her with medication management. And so you can go with her to the therapy appointment, not necessarily go inside the session, but maybe go with her and sit out, you know, sit outside the office and wait till she's done just so you can kind of support her. Now, if she's, if you're not in the same state as her, maybe suggesting to a family member that she's really close with, you said that's your aunt. So it's maybe either your mom or your dad's sister. So someone that she's really close with, maybe one of her siblings or a best friend or any type of family member where you can provide them with the suggestion and say that I'm really concerned about my aunt and I want to make sure that she's living a healthy life. I want to make sure that she's happy. I want to make sure that she's thriving because it's also impacting me and I, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's also impacting me. So would you be willing to go and help her and maybe this family member can if she says you know what yeah I, I want to go to therapy then the family member can maybe make the appointment for her because when people are dealing with or in that very low state they a lot of times don't have a lot of energy to do anything and so if someone does something like make makes an appointment with the therapist and takes them to go to the therapist so then that way it's really hard for them to say no because someone has already put all the steps in place there's also an organization called the National Alliance of Mental Illness and the acronym is NAMI. They have chapters and different in each state and within different um, counties across the country. They have a lot of resources. So I would also recommend that you go to their website because they offer a free group therapy. Uh, so maybe when your aunt gets to a better space, maybe she wants to be around other people who can help her because a lot of times in those sessions, there may be people who have been through something similar, maybe a job loss or losing their house and they've recovered and they're doing better. So we'll provide her with a bit of hope and um, that she can certainly get to the other side. So I would also start there as well. And that would be my recommendation with helping your aunt. Please write in and let me know if you would like more information and let me know how your aunt is doing. I wish you the best. I pray that everything works out. Okay, y'all. So this was a pretty long episode, but I pray that it really helps someone. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and I will talk to you guys next week. I hope that you obtain tools and resources from the Fireflies Unite podcast to help you manage your mental health. 
but please do not use it as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Let's continue the conversation by following me on Fireflies Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.